0: What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Joe Killgallon Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Killgallon. Oh, I forgot the whole, aka Gallon's Pub. That's right. That's one of the nicknames of this podcast. All right, little backstory. Podcast started off as Killgallon's Pub. I'd record it at night, and I'd get liquored up a little bit. Then a pandemic hit. Couldn't go to the studio anymore. I realized for YouTube search engine optimization, I should just call it the Joe Kilgallen podcast. People search my name, maybe they'll stumble upon the podcast and be like, "Oh, I like stand-up podcast. Seems pretty fucking cool." Now I'm a fan, right? You know what I mean? That's what I was going for there. I, I, I miss the drinking aspect a little bit, though. I kind of do that, you know, but I, I often have to record at odd hours. So uh, some of you might be listening, thinking, "Wow, Joe's really become quite the bitch." won't get drunk at 11 a.m. on a Thursday for our entertainment value. Wow. What a piece of shit. 2018 Joe was way cooler. That motherfucker would day drink. He would get sloppy. He would he would have guests throw up sometimes. That was the podcast for me back when it was Kill Gallon's Pub. But this Joe Kill Gallon podcast could eat balls. That's what you might be thinking. And if that's the case, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Things have changed. Things have changed a bit. As always, always, listeners, I want to thank you. I got to thank you for being here. Thanks to all the listeners. Big shout out to all you, especially your Patreon subscribers. Patreon, by the way, everyone, three bucks for the smallest tier, nine bucks for the top tier, $9 tier. You get a a producer credit on all of the Joe Kilgallen podcast clips. Just posted one from the podcast recently on YouTube. So check those out there. All right. Let's get into some shit right now. Scotty Pippen. NBA Hall of Famer, six-time NBA champion. champion NBA, sorry, there was a little noise there. I don't know what happened. Scottie Pippen, six-time NBA champion, Hall of Famer, one of the greatest defensive wing players of all time. Played for my Chicago Bulls. He has uh, been uh, making the news. I mean, everyone's talking, all the gossipers are gossiping about Scottie. Basically, Scottie came out and talked some shit about Jordan. He talks some shit about MJ. Now there was initial reports for those of you who are unaware it's on Netflix. It was originally on ESPN, this great documentary that came out in April or May of 2020 and literally everyone was watching it because shit was shut down because of the coronavirus, and it was great viewing. Not only was it an amazingly shot, wonderfully edited documentary that told a really cool story, but it was very nostalgic for a lot of people like myself. You know, I was in grade school in the 90s in Chicago, and those Bulls teams were everything. You know, the 90s. See, it was kind of like the Bulls won a three-peat in 91 to 93. Then Jordan, you know, his dad was murdered. They covered this in documentary. Played baseball for a little bit. And he's like, I got to get back to the NBA. Comes back out of retirement. You know, played like 17 games of the 94-95 season. Didn't quite, you know, wasn't, he had baseball player legs still, people were saying. And first full season back, they win 72 games, greatest team of all time still to this day, even though that record has been broken by the Golden State Warriors. They've won 73, but it doesn't mean shit without the ring. Doesn't mean a thing without the ring. Golden State lost, Bulls won. So, therefore, the 96 Bulls, greatest team of all time. They won a second three, three-peat. They were a sensation. They were like the Beatles for basketball. Everywhere they went, there was mobs of people, everyone freaking out, Michael Jordan, larger than life. And for whatever reason, because it was pre social media, celebrities just seem to have more of a, what's the word I'm looking for? They just seem more magical. I don't know. That sounds pretty fucking dumb, but like you, you get what I'm saying in a way, right? Like today, it's just, everyone's so accessible today. I remember someone talking about this once where it used to be like celebrities, you know, you get a glimpse of them once or twice a year. And a guy like Marlon Brando never did interviews and they were mysterious. There was a mystique about them. And now it's like, I wonder what my favorite actor's up to. All right, I'll go on their Instagram. Cool. They had eggs for breakfast. I have eggs for breakfast. They're just like me. These these celebrities, right? Like dumb shit like that. But back then it was kind of like, you had no idea where they were going to be. I mean, you literally see people getting out of their car in traffic trying to get pictures with Michael Jordan in this documentary. So if you haven't seen 30, uh, it's not 30 for 30. It's called The Last Dance. It's about the Chicago Bulls. It was a 10-part documentary. It is on Netflix. I recommend it, of course. On this podcast, we talked about it a bit. It was just a really cool thing because it told stories you didn't know. Like you didn't know Dennis Rodman disappeared for a week during the season because he was stressed out and just needed to go to Vegas. And Phil Jackson and Jordan were like, all right, if you need to go to Vegas, go to Vegas for a little bit. We'll hold down the fort without you, son. Like shit like that to the point where eventually Jordan had to show up to his place. I guess this is when he came back from Vegas. He had an apartment by the United Center where the Bulls played and had a knock on the door and be like, Dennis, dude, enough of this shit. Scotty's injured. I'm not young anymore. I'm 35. Come on, let's go. I want to win another championship, you know? and and jordan had that kind of power too where dennis rodman a guy who literally would say fuck you to anybody was like all right i'm getting my bag relax and and carmen electra was like in the room naked hiding behind a couch because she was like oh my god it's michael jordan you know that's how big michael jordan was she was getting banged by dennis rodman right and you know they weren't doing missionary sex carmen electra and dennis rodman were creating their own positions some of which you're kind of thinking i joints don't work that way they go yeah and this drug they do and this drug your could be like a your head could be like an owl's where it could go almost all the way around. Yeah. Like that's the kind of sex Rodman and Carmen Electra was having. I wouldn't even want to see that sex tape. If a Dennis Rodman Carmen Electra sex tape existed and someone sent me the link, I'd be like, not, I don't want to even see that. I don't want to know like I, I want to think that I know everything there is. I don't want to see something sexually from those two and be like, wait, what? They're both doing handstand. They're floating. They're levitating. They're they're having, what's that position called? The Chris Angel? What sexual positions are Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra doing? Or maybe it's the exact opposite. Maybe you think these crazy rock star, you know, NBA star, professional athlete, supermodel, Vegas, right? Like cocaine, strip clubs. Maybe those people have the most boring sex, just like the type of sex where you're described as moist. It's a word that you that people don't like. They don't like the word moist, and you'd be like, "Well, that's what it looked like. It didn't look it like there was a lot of good friction going on. It looked like a little, eh, you know. Maybe they do. I don't think that's the case though, because isn't it the point of being up all on these all these uppers, so you could be crazy in the sack? Or maybe they're just like so exhausted. It's Like we had a long forty hours of heavy drinking. I pet a tiger. I saw that magic show. Vegas. It's like. Whoa. This is a lot. It is no wonder people only stay here for about three or four days and they can't wait to get the fuck out because I am spent. And then they're like, all right, let's just do that position where we're both on our sides. We kind of grind into each other a little bit. You know, so you got like your bellies are full of Chipotle and you're kind of like, I don't want to do a whole lot because I don't trust the back door. You know, you might lift my leg up a little bit and it's fart city. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's what she might be saying. Maybe Carmen's telling Dennis that it could be. It could very well be so they don't cover that in the documentary but they cover stuff like that where you didn't know that at the time because there was no social media there the internet was just in its infancy and you find out that scotty pippen had one of the worst contracts signed by anyone in history and, and a backstory of scotty was that he was one of 37 kids and I'm, i might be exaggerating but only slightly he has so many siblings they talked about his family and they didn't grow up with much and and you really feel for him there and the way he came up and overcame a lot yeah i i was a big fan of scotty the player as a human being i don't know the man personally and there's a lot of bullshit on the internet and you hear a lot of rumors and whatnot and i i always try not to dig too deep into those or whatever because i've heard stories from people where they're like i met bill murray once at an airport i said hey bill can i get a picture and tell you a 17 minute story and he was like i'm sorry i gotta go meet my sick mom i'm, I'm almost late for this flight glad you're a fan could you believe that wow does bill suck and you're like no you suck you piece of shit huh you know what i mean like what would you want from him did you think you were gonna become best friends with him Did you think he was going to be like, you know what? I've been looking for a random person to be friends with. And you're just so real, Jimmy. What do you say? You, you cancel your flight. I'll pay for your seat. And you're going to go visit someone with me. Like, I don't understand. Sometimes people just, you put these celebrities in such a on such a pedestal that when you meet them, unless they suck your dick, they're never going to meet your expectations. Just look at them as people. You're like, oh, I like your work that's how I view it. Oh, I like that. that guy's work is great. Or that woman's work is great. You know, whatever. Same way with electricians. I'm going to be talking about electricity a little bit later, by the way. But if, you know, if I see an electrician who's kicking ass, I'm like, Hey, I really like your work, but I'm not going to be like, yo, electrician come sign this bulb. Oh, you got something to do piece of shit. I'm going to tweet about you. You know what I mean? Fucking no electricity over here in this relationship. I don't know why I chose electricians. You'll find out later. I got an electrical situation going on. Everyone. That's a whole to do though. So, yeah, I, I never try to read too much in about, but growing up in Chicago, the thing about the rumor about Scottie Pippen was, and again, this could have been a good rhyme, but they, they called him no tip and Pippen. And again, a good rhyme. There are some things about life where you're like, is that true or is that just a bullshit rhyme? Some of them, I just go, I can't stand certain rhymes. Happy wife, happy life. Fuck your happiness is what that's saying. Oh, you're some dumb dipshit husband. Will sacrifice your own shit and make your wife happy. You know why? Happy wife, happy life. That's a It's hor- just a dumb rhyme. Seriously. Okay, she's happy, but I'm fucking miserable. So, what kind of piece of shit bitch did I just marry <laughs> that only is happy if I'm fucking miserable right now? shouldn't Shouldn't it be like happy couple? There's no rhyme to that, right? Shouldn't it be hey, let's meet each other's needs. Let's do that. Let's let's support each other and 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 be good to one another. There's but there's no rhyme there. An apple away keeps the doctor a day. An apple a day keeps the doctor away, is how I meant to say that. I mean, that's, that's good advice, but it, it, it's probably just more the rhyme. Just, I want everyone to think about it. When you go out there in the world and you come across some piece of advice that rhymes, be like, is this really good advice? Or are we just really into rhyming? I think we're just really into rhyming. You know, I've often said one of the best grade school insults of all time is when someone says, hey, yeah, well, you're part of the itty bitty titty committee. You know, maybe that girl really did have some small tits, but it's a really good rhyme scheme. Like when you hear that, you're like, oh, that's mean. But you're like, fuck, it's a good insult. It's really good insult. So no tipping pippin' was the thing. And, you know, again, like I said, I try not to judge people off of hearsay. When I first heard that, I was like, maybe he had been bar hopping and he thought he had already tipped. And then he walked out. And then later he's like, ah, shit, I forgot to tip. It's all right. I'll come back to this bar. I'll I'll double it up. I'll throw like an extra hundred bucks in or something like that. He doesn't get to the, the bulls are on the road. He doesn't get back to that bar for a couple weeks, comes back in and says, hey, totally forgot. I felt like an asshole. It's been eating me up all the last week or so. Here's another hundred on top of what I should have gave you. And then that person's like, oh, thanks, Scotty. But in their head, they're like, fuck, I already told everybody that you don't tip. And this one guy, Bobby, because this is a Bobby rhyme scheme, was like, (laughs) As you should call him no and pippin And then that's how that went about. But I think there's actually some truth to it because was, it, was, it went around long enough where the no and pippin thing could be real. I also know he has a daughter that wanted nothing to do with him. It was out of wedlock, piece of shit, whatever. But she was trying to play some college sports. I won't say which one because then you're looking her up and it's, you know, I just don't want to be that guy on the internet. Um, but she kept the name on the back of her jersey because she wanted people to be like, wait, is that so-and-so's daughter? for potential college, college scholarships, which in that case, I don't blame her. You know, you got a bad parent. You, and really, what's what's the minimal thing a parent gives you? Your name. Your name is what you get. There was an Everclear song where it's like, Daddy gave me a name and then he walked away. Like, you know, that's the bare minimum a parent gives you is a name. And then they can be a complete shit after that. They could be like that Johnny Cash guy whose name is kid Sue. It's like, why name you Sue? Because well, I knew you'd get into fights and that would make you tough. It's like, you know, there's plenty of tough guys named Dave, you fucking asshole, right? I don't understand. See, even at the end of the song, the Johnny Cash, as he's singing about the boy named Sue, the guy named Sue later says, if I have a kid, guess what? I'm going to name him anything normal because this was still a dumb idea. Some people hear the boy named Sue and think, hey, made him tough, so ah, maybe his dad knew what he was doing. Meanwhile, Sue was like, yeah, I beat the fuck out of a lot of people. But I lost a fight to, you know, a guy named freaking Mike. There's pl- Again, there's plenty of tough and regular names out there. You, you don't have to name someone Sue to make them tough. Also, you could have a very happy, awesome life without being a tough guy. He could have just named him fucking Alex. And the guy could have had himself his own accounting firm and, and, and lived in a high-rise downtown. And he just doesn't get into kerfuffles, right? So that's something to think about. So anyhow, uh, th- as far as... That goes, I didn't blame his daughter for using his name. That was my point there. Now, Scotty Pippen, you know, after the last dance, the documentary I just, you know, ranted about a while ago came out, Scotty kind of looked bad in two episodes. He looked bad in the episode where they're talking about the final season. Cause Scotty was, could have had a surgery in the off season. And he said, I'm not fucking up my summer, but really what he was mad about was his contract because he was seriously grossly underpaid. It was a bad contract. He should, anger should have been toward the agent. I think he was a guy that just wanted that financial security, but didn't really think long-term. So he signed it. And then a couple of years later, it's like, wait a minute. I'm a perennial all-star. I'm one of the best defensive players in the league. I should be getting way more than what I'm getting. And at that point, the Bulls are like, well, we don't have to give you any more. This is why it's a contract. This is what we're giving you. Now, if you want to talk about an extension closer to when your contract expires, of course, we'd love to talk about that with you, Scotty. We're all ears. and and Jerry Reinser, the bull's owner who's not a good guy. People like to try to act like he's a good guy in chicago he's he's really not he just whatever he um I never met him, but I, I I could I know it he um said like I told Scotty not to sign it. did you? did you really mm, okay and, and another thing that killed me about Jerry Reinser during that entire documentary, Jerry Krause is one of the villains of the documentary. Jerry Krause. Uh grew up actually not too far from me. He uh was you know a guy that definitely let some ego get in the way. he, he, he kind of discredited the players saying organizations win championships. When of course that there's some truth to that. But like most people credit the players first and foremost. Any executive or general manager goes, I gotta give the credit to all the players here. You know, we tried to put the best team together, and boy, did they execute you? That's what you do. Where he kind of came out like, eh. I could build another championship tomorrow, which is like you got lucky and inherited the greatest player of all time in Michael Jordan. Anyhow, Krause is a villain throughout this documentary. The sad thing is Jerry Krause died, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago now. So he had no say. So it's it's a lot of people trashing him without him being able to tell his side of the story. So that part of it, even people who didn't like Krause were like, yeah, we felt bad about that. Even some of the players when they saw the documentary were like, look, I by no means got along with Jerry, but seeing that and not being able him not being able to say his side of it was a bummer. And so to those players, I give credit to for having some empathy there. Reinsdorf though, whenever they cut to him in this documentary plays like a, I just let Jerry run the team. I try to stay away from these things. I try." It's like, fuck off. You're the owner of the team. Don't act like you don't take part in what happened toward the end. Cause spoiler alert at the end of the, it's called the last dance. Cause they knew going into that season it was probably going to be their last year. Because Krauss was talking about getting rid of this guy and this guy and this guy. And Jordan's whole thing was, we're still winning. If we start to lose, fine. But we're still winning. You're talking about ending something while we're champions makes no sense to me. And I agree with him. I 100% agree. And, yeah, that's, I mean, it's cool that the Bulls ended on top. You know, back-to-back three-peats. Nobody beat them in the finals. And that's such a big part of Jordan's legacy now where if you would have kept playing forever and got older and older, yeah, eventually someone might have come along to beat him, I'm sure. But his whole point is like, why are you forcing it? Don't force it. If we all decide as players that it's done, fine. But for you to just get out ahead of it because you don't want to fall off the cliff, like to, no fan base gives a shit. If You're a fan of a team and your team's winning championship, 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 six of the last eight. Then it ends because if you players retire or whatever, you go, okay, ah, what a great run. We a Dynasty. Oh, we're going to be bad for a couple of years, but that's okay. Because we'd be selfish to not enjoy these last, what we just happened. So I, I, I don't understand what the, they were whole, like one of the things Cross was saying was like, if we trade some players now, our rebuilds that much quicker, I'm like you're talking about rebuilding on the heels of winning the NBA championship for the fifth time in the last seven years, back to back again, no real threat. Like what, what are we doing? It was just so stupid. And so I agreed. I understood the players being like, what the fuck? Like, fuck this. And the Bulls are good this year, which is awesome to see. But in the same regard, they deserve to suck for the while. I really do believe they're in that kind of karma. Because it was a slap in the face to the players who won you those championships, making you that money, and a slap in the face to the fans who also make you that money. I just hate these fucking billionaires out there who are just, you know, or egos getting in the way, all those dumb and and so Scotty comes out basically after that a little bit and was kind of pissed off because they showed him quitting on his team. The year after Jordan retired the first time in '93, Pippen led the Bulls and did a great job. They, I think they lost like two less games without Jordan. They won like 55 and or 57 in '93 and 55 in '94. And yeah, they had a Tony Kukoc who was real clutch, Steve Kerr. But again, you lose Michael Jordan, it's a big deal. Scotty stepped it up. He averaged like two more points a game only, which isn't a lot. Uh, but defensively was great, uh, just all-around player. That's what Scotty Pippen always was, was a great all-around player. At his peak, he was 21 points a game, I want to say maybe 22, seven, eight rebounds, five or six assists, couple steals, lockdown D, great transition score, wasn't the best like spot-up, jump shot type guy. He had a pretty good three, all that. They go to the playoffs, second round, Phil Jackson comes up with a play for Tony Kukoc. Scotty's like fuck this shit. He was mad because he thought I'm the Jordan guy right now. Cuko's buried the shot. Pippen didn't do anything. But here's the thing about Pippen: his whole career, he was never clutch. In 1990, the year before the Bulls won their first title, the Pistons beat the Bulls in seven. In Game Seven, Scotty Pippen had two points, sat out most of the game with a fucking migraine. I'm not look. I've never had a migraine before, but it sounds like a bitch move. It sounds like a headache, and it is a headache. It doesn't sound like a headache. It's a very extreme headache. But it's also one of those things where if someone says they have one, you can't be like, you're lying. It just, and, and that's the thing. Pippin was known for kind of being like one of those players. Dennis Rodman, when he was on the Pistons back in those days, he once punted Pippen. He like basically like drop kicked him into three rows. And when someone asked why afterwards, he goes, I don't like pussies. Like it was basically him saying like, this guy isn't a gamer. I don't like people who, who play soft. Scotty's soft where Jordan had everyone's respect. They had the Jordan Rules they're fouling the hell, knocking him around, all this kind of stuff. Jordan played great in that game 7. So and Jordan did call call Scotty selfish in that moment for him sitting out. And so now Pippen comes out and says, "Well, I think Jordan was selfish for retiring before, uh, you know, way too late in the offseason for us to sign any free agents to replace you." It's like, "Look, the guy's father was murdered." You know, he came to a late decision, sure, late in the offseason. But again, his dad was murdered. To call him selfish over that, it's kind of a bullshit thing to say. You know, and I don't know. He's calling Jordan a bad teammate. I'm saying all this kind of shit. And and a lot of people are really coming out against Scottie Pippen. And I can't blame him because it really comes off like he's trying to sell books because he's got a book coming out. And it seems like every time he has something coming out, he says a bunch of stupid shit in the media. And it's like, wow, Scottie's really taking a cue from another Chicago icon, Kanye West. He's taking the Kanye approach. I talked to this on a podcast recently about how people will purposely like say stuff to just stir the pot so they get all that press whenever they're about to like drop an album or release a book or whatever. I got to get on board with that. I don't know what it's going to be, but if you guys see me say some stupid shit, or not even stupid per se, but something where you're like, ee, that's going to get him in some trouble. A day later, I'm going to drop my children's book that I wrote. <laughs> that's what's coming out. I think Scotty's being a bitch. I'll say it, Scotty Pippen. I think you're being a piece of shit. I really do. I think Michael Jordan said in the beginning of the documentary, "Do not mention Michael Jordan without mentioning Scotty Pippen." He was there with me for all six. He pushed me to be a better player. Like I imagine, I pushed him. I don't think he said that. I'm throwing that part in there, but he gave Scotty so much credit. Said he was his greatest teammate. You know, he said all these amazing things about him. And now Scotty, probably just years and years of being second fiddle. Has just been like, you know what? Fuck Jordan. Jordan was a selfish teammate for retiring late in '93, even though his dad had died, and Michael wasn't always the best teammate, and all this other kind of stuff. And it's just like, all right, it's a bit much because, especially after Michael made reference to him being sometimes a rough teammate at the time, but I thought Jordan explained it great. He was like, "I wanted to win more than anything," and it worked. It worked clearly. He did. So as long as he takes ownership of that, and Michael Jordan also said, I, I never asked my teammates to do anything I didn't do. I showed him out running them in practice and doing all this stuff. There was stories that Jordan and Pippen said this. When the Bulls drafted Pippen, Jordan basically pulled him aside and said, we're going to play one-on-one after practice. We're going to push each other. You know what I mean? Jordan was looking for his Robin, the Batman to his Robin, or the Robin to his Batman, I should say. And so a lot of times I'm like, this is why whenever people who try to say Jordan's not the greatest of all time, they go, he had Pippen. I go, Pippen gets drafted by any other team. Probably makes a couple all star games, but he's not the superstar player. I don't even know if superstar, I'd say superstar defensively. Look at his offensive career numbers. They're nothing special. They're really average 16 points for his career, field goal percentage is like in the low 40s, right? Good, but nothing to be like, wow, elite, elite. So I, I don't know what Scotty's doing. It's really disappointing to see. You hate to see people who, like, you thought were, like, tight friends. I never thought they were, like, besties. But I always thought they had, like, a mutual respect for each other and got along well. When Scottie Pippen was inducted to the Hall of Fame, he chose Jordan to induct him to give that speech, you know, which is what Jordan's doing for Kobe. So, like, I don't I don't understand what's going on in his life right now. But I've heard enough bad stories of Scottie Pippen off the court where I'm going to side with Michael Jordan on this. Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. Is he an intense guy? and And a guy where you're like, fuck, man, I don't want to be on his bad side. Or he treats his teammates like assholes here or there. Sure. Yeah. But I think they all had that common thing. And in that documentary, the last dance, a lot of those teammates said, oh, there was times where I wanted to punch Jordan in the face, but looking back there was a a method to his mayhem, a method to his madness there all came together and we won a lot of championships and he made me a better player. They all said that they were Jordan made me a better player and he definitely made Scottie Pippen a better player. Some other things I wanted to talk about. I hope everyone had a great Halloween. I had one, a wonderful Halloween. My children had a great time. My sons absolutely love Halloween. Uh, it was good. It was good this year. It was good Halloween weather. It was crisp. No rain. That's always big. I like when you can wear the costume. You know, you don't have to be like one of those parents who are like, put a coat on, you know? Um, so it was nice. We went up and we didn't go too many places. They're little. That's what's nice about right now is they're still little. Their little legs get tired after a few blocks. It's not like when they're nine, I'm worried about when they're like eight and nine and 10, when, you know, I'm getting in just what, what are we doing miles of this stuff, Like that's just going to be too much. So I'm in a pretty sweet spot right now having a four and a two-year-old. I didn't really go nuts for Halloween or anything like that. I didn't go to any costume parties as an adult. And I was like, I don't want to. And then you see pictures of people at costume parties as an adult. And you're like, I would like to have been there. I would have liked to have been there. Um, maybe next year next year i'm going to go big for halloween thanksgiving's coming up thanksgiving's top 3 holiday for me my favorite holidays and it ranges christmas is still number 1 and then thanksgiving and st patrick's day battle for that number 2 spot but that's my top 3 right there love them to death cuz they are all they're each at a time i, I look like, i love the 4th of july but the 4th of july is you know you could do that for the whole summer it doesn't even feel special there a lot of people do fireworks the whole summer and you eat, you eat outside and drink outside and barbecue. And, you know, it doesn't, but St. Patrick's day to me is like, you know, in LA, it didn't have this vibe, but in Chicago, when I, you know, I lived in LA for a little while in Chicago, it's like, sometimes you get that first nice day of spring because spring is right there. 17th spring's the 21st. So it's kind of like the marking of like a fuck off winter. I'm going to go wear green and start drinking way too early in the day. And it's going to be awesome. And everyone else is wearing green, and there's just there's a vibe, there's an atmosphere. We're having fun. We're listening to drunken songs. Like you feel like you should have like a. I always want to have a pint of beer. Uh, that's like a mug, a mug of beer, so you can like with the handle, like yeah, 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 yeah. Like you do a like a right? You want to do? I can't sing, but you know what I'm saying. You want to like cheers with people where the beer spills a little, and it's like, hey, you just spilled some beer on my shoe. I'm like, I don't give a fuck, right? You just like it's fun. And then Thanksgiving, it's uh, it's so simple, it's simple. Football and just a feast of a meal. You know, I love mashed potatoes and gravy. I like crescent rolls. I like turkey. I like stuffing, the desserts, pumpkin pie, apple pie. Love all that. And you got football all day. You know, I feel like you're wearing a sweater. It's the kickoff of, it's the what makes winter tolerable. You have Thanksgiving on that Thursday, and then you roll right into the Christmas season. And that's what I love about Christmas. It is a season. As a kid, you got excited for it. As a parent, now I'm excited for because I can see my kids' faces Christmas morning. I like the Christmas movies. I like how everyone's blocks look prettier and the houses are more decorated and every downtown looks cooler. And you know, you got it's just there's some stuff about it that's really great. And I know sometimes it can be too commercial and it's just like you know it's it's stressful shit. You got to visit so many people sometimes. And I I totally I feel you on that one. People who don't like Christmas, I totally understand that. My thing with christmas too is i like to have it last i don't sometimes i hate when television does this you're watching christmas movies on christmas day and the next day it's all back to regular programming they should have a few more christmas movies after christmas day stretch it out for a few days because we're all still feeling it as a kid i loved the f- couple days after christmas because you didn't really see your friends on christmas day but then you might see them on twenty sixth, 27th and then go hey look what toy i got oh you got that one lucky right you have fun Remember being like a teenager and then you get some you get some money, right, for Christmas. On the 26th, hit up a buddy and be like, hey, let's go to the mall. For me, I lived in the city. I'd hop on the Montrose bus, go to the Harlem and Irving Mall. It was awesome. And I could have taken the Irving bus too now that I think about it. But like, yeah, so th- those were fun times. So I like it to be a season. And then like a couple of days after New Year's, yeah, New Year's is fun. That rolls into it. Overrated as hell too, but rolls into it. And that it's, it's a whole thing. And then after the january 4th 5th you start to take down the decorations january 6th you go storm the Capitol, right you, you, those are the things you do it's it's a whole season i was kidding about that last part of course uh and then January in february are brutal months you know my wife and son are born there so those are the only bright spots of those months if you live in a city with a winter to, to my people listening like chad in arizona you don't know what i'm talking about with january and february people listening you know TJ down in El Paso. You have no idea what I'm talking about right now either. You guys are very lucky. My LA friends, it was great. I definitely missed living in LA. You know, some people are like, oh, you'll miss winter. No, I don't. And now that I'm back here, I don't miss it either. Oh, you don't miss winter? You didn't miss winter while you were gone? Of course not. I like a little light snow on Christmas because and I look out the window going, oh, that looks nice. But again, I'm looking out a window. I'm not starting my car in it. I'm not walking out there going, why? Why do I only have one glove? Where'd the other fucking glove go? Oh, I dropped in the snow. Awesome! I now have to put on a wet glove. That part I don't miss. So the people who just love winter—I don't know—is it because you just grew up in it your whole life? You can't admit that it's not that great. Some there are some people out there who are like that. In the back of their head, they must know something they love is really shit, but they've been—it's been with them forever. So they have to be like, isn't it great? It's no. I like changing of the seasons, isn't it? No. It gets dark at four o'clock. Seriously, at 4 p.m. in Chicago, starting next week is the daylight savings bullshit. We really need to get rid of next week's podcast. I'm going to talk about that with someone. Uh, I do have a guest lineup for next week, everyone. So if you I know most people, I think, like the solo ones. But if you're missing guests, we got one coming next week. Anyhow, I, I four o'clock. That was the worst. Like when you went to school, you're already in a school all day. You know, you got out. We got I got a two thirty. 240 your home inside drop your backpack you know fucking have a snack do your homework watch some bullshit TV and then you look out the window and you're like darkness sucked sucked so hard yeah so I I don't again I don't mind the winter in November and December well November's actually fall we forget that but I, I first few weeks of winter being Christmas New Year's I'm cool with it. but In Chicago, it'll snow as late as fucking, it snows in April on occasion. It's too much. So again, as much as I love Chicago, I think it's one of the greatest cities in the world. The winter could seriously go fuck itself. Cannot emphasize that enough. I mentioned electricity earlier. I've been uh, playing some poker lately and I played poker with some comedians. uh, We were playing in my garage and the power went out about four hours into the game pitch black in there and i think it's because i had this little space heater thing and maybe that sucked all the power out and then everyone's like well just a fuse go switch the fuse i did the fuse thing it didn't work but i have this main switch in the garage I'm Like, what's this switch because it said like main i turned it on and the th- everything went on for a second and then went out and then when i turned that switch off i turned i flipped it again and it went on and then when i got back off it was like on off within a millisecond but then i realized if i held the switch up it's not like the switch would fall it stayed up but if i pushed it up a little further, everything stayed on, but I had to hold it up. So we were able to rig up like a broom pushing it up so we could play like the last 20 minutes. So anyway, I got to get an electrician out there because I don't know what the hell I'm doing there. You know, I'll I'll look into some trades and stuff like that. I can be handy when I want to be. I've mounted all the TVs in my house. But when it comes to electrical shit, no, I'm not messing with that. I almost got zapped once and that'll never happen again. I have no problem being like, yeah, I'll pay you the money. Fix it. Maybe I could get a guy to I know I got to get a better heat situation though. Cause it can't be playing it's, Once it's the winter, winter in Chicago, we can't be playing in the garage. We'll all freeze our nips off. And then here was the last hand, last hand of the night. I got fucked on a river earlier in the night and made a bad play. One point too. So at this point in the night, I was like riding even I wasn't down. I think I was up a few bucks, a handful of bucks. I was up and I uh, did a pretty standard raise pre-flop raise for you Texas holding fans out there. And when I did the raise, I got like two callers. On the flop, it was all low. I had pocket aces, uh, heart and diamond. And the flop was like seven, four, two. Yeah, I think it was seven, four, two. And I'm like, this is great for me because I raised. What are the odds he has a seven, four, two? You know, or seven or four, or maybe he's got pocket fours, pocket twos, pocket sevens. Perhaps, but I still felt pretty confident, especially since someone raised like two bucks. On, I don't even know what the hell they were raising on. Uh, they were just bluffing at it. I think that's what it, maybe I raised whatever, a few bucks, which was pretty standard for the game we were playing. And uh, 50 cent blinds, you know, it's not big, it's slow stakes. And then he's like, I got to do it. And he, he goes, I think we're pretty even. And I'm looking at like, you're going all in. He said, yeah. And he counted and I'm like, all right, well, well, count for sure. And as he counted, I was counting mine. We were exactly even. So I was like, mm, it feels like a good sign for whatever reason. I got a call. And he was like, damn. And he didn't really want me to call because he wasn't that strong. He had a 7-10 offsuit. He shouldn't have even called the pre-flop race, to be honest with you. And he kind of later was like, yeah, I don't know. I just had a feeling. Which it worked. The turn comes a four. So now I have aces and fours. He still just has the sevens. Here's where I lose it, though. The river comes a seven. So he gets three sevens to beat my pair of aces. My two pair aces and fours. He's got a full house. He's got seven fulls of fours. And why I got mad. Look, that happens in poker. I got fucked that way earlier in the night. I. Here's where I got mad. My friends, I love these guys. And I went I went off on them a little bit. And they're like, you're right, you're right. They were like being like, all he needs is a seven. All he needs is a That, that happens in poker when people are all in and the cards are coming out. Everyone around's like, oh, he could get a this, 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 this. And I was like, listen, Norman Chad, he's a famous poker commentator. Shut the fuck up. If you're not in the hand, shut the fuck up. I know I'm being superstitious here, but other people feel it. And I go, I don't like you being like, all he needs is this, all he needs is this. Shut the fuck up. Because if that card comes, I'm going to hate you. I'm going to feel like you willed it. Even though, yeah, I know, I know, whatever you say does not change the actual card. It still feels that way. So I was basically just being like, I was being very stern, but like not in a way where they're like, man, he's pissed. I was like, shut the, shut the fuck up. You're not, you're not color commentators. This isn't ESPN world series of poker, right? This isn't the world poker tour or poker go shut up. All right. Only people who should talk are the people in it. Now, if the guy's rooting for seven, cause he needs the seven. He's like, come on seven. I'm not mad at that at all. Good for you. But when you got a bunch of people standing around who aren't involved in the hand being like, oh, this is what, this is what they need. Oh, they got this many outs. Oh, he could get it. This, this, this. It's like, just shut the fuck up. Okay. I'm over here praying that doesn't happen. I don't want people rooting against me because inevitably everyone roots for the underdog because it's just more fun. I guess I, I get that. But, like, really, I would like people to be like, Ace is won. Ace should have won. The person who played the hand better or who had the better hand should have won. But I didn't. I didn't have the better hand. Um, and you want to get all your money when you have the best of it. And I did have the best of it. And I just didn't win. That's why I like poker. In a lot of ways, it's like life. I was telling my comedian friends, because it's an all comedian game, that uh, poker is like comedy. Often, you know, the person who has the best set won't always get the recognition they deserve. You could do everything right and still get the wrong result. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of great, great comedians out there who just don't get the attention. The industry doesn't love them for whatever reason. And, you know, they kill it in front of every crowd there. They do, but for whatever reason, they're just a little unlucky. They got all the skill because it is, it gives, look, to be a great comedian, you need a lot of skill, but you also need a little bit of luck. You need some timing, right place at the right time. That is a thing. Obviously you work so that when those people are there, you know what I mean? Luck is hard work meets opportunity. That's, I really do believe in that. That is what luck is, but that is something to think about. I do want to end by talking about, well, maybe this will be a Patreon bonus. Um, there's the Cubs five-year anniversary winning the world series. They won the world series five years ago. And it was one of the greatest days of my life still is besides my children being born. Although I did joke, I had a Facebook post. On that day, I wasn't really into Twitter like I am now back then. I barely tweeted back then. And I, I had the tweet basically, and Twitter sucks. I, sh- I should have been, I should have followed my advice and just not been one of those people back then. Uh, Facebook though, uh, I posted, I can't wait for my son to be, for my, I didn't say son, I said for my kid to be born, that way I could tell them about today, the greatest day of my life, which I think is funny to tell your, your child, oh no, the Cubs won the World Series. That was the best day ever. And it was, it really was. It's, it was something my whole life as a Cubs fan, you're just told they'll break your heart. It's never going to happen. Forget it. You know, White Sox fans and Cardinal fans talking shit. They're never going to win. It'll be forever. Just why do you root for such a loser? All that stuff and all the heartache you dealt with as a Cubs fan, them getting close and then failing. And it's just, ah, the agony. And for it to happen, it really was just pure, pure joy. Just there's video of me. When the final out happened and I'm screaming, fuck yeah. But my voice does not even sound like me. And look, I've heard enough audio of my voice to know what my voice sounds like. You know, a lot of people, when they don't hear their voice, when they hear it, they go, I know what I sound like because I've heard it a million times. There was something else coming out of me when I was being, I was like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. Like in the moment, I thought I was just like a pumped up guy, but there were some other things were coming out. Some shit was some stuff that had been buried was escaping through my fuck ass, yes. So it was something else. Um, but what's sad, it's bittersweet in the same regard. I mean, nothing will take away from that, no matter what the Cubs do. And a lot of Cubs fans have gotten bitter and sad because they were like, I thought we'd win more than one and all this other kind of stuff. It's hard to even win one. There are a lot of teams that, you know, I kept talking about you could do everything right and still get the wrong result. There are teams who have done great things. They built the right team and they built all the sorts of stuff and they don't win. It's very difficult to do. Be thankful you got one. Um, of course, demand more. We get the highest ticket prices in baseball cubs fans. We should absolutely be demanding more. I am still pissed off that my favorite players aren't on the team anymore. They traded Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez. Kyle Schwarber was not tendered. Like it's it sucks. It really does suck. And I that's the thing about it. I hate to get a little darker, not dark, but a little, I don't know, Debbie Downer-ish. It'll never be as good as it was on November 2nd, 2016. The Cubs can win the World Series within the next next year, the next couple of years. It'll be great. It'll be amazing. But we'll know it'll never be as good. Sometimes I think I should have just retired my fandom right there. I should have been like, look, this, I gave so much to this team and I'm leaving on the highest of notes. I love them so much. I'll always be a fan, but I got to walk away. I'll, you know, I got to distance myself because I still get angry all the time like free agency starting up in baseball. I'm like, we should get this guy. You know, I don't know if I want that guy. People are just like, we shouldn't get anyone. We're rebuilding. And when the time is right is when you start to spend money in free agency. So right now they should be looking for low level free agents that they can potentially flip for more prospects. It's like, fuck off. Damn it. I know how important having a farm system is in major league baseball, minor league system. Oh, by the way, if you're this far into the podcast and you're not a sports fan, you could cut away. I should have said that at the beginning of this. It's over for you because I'm going to end on Cubs talk. Thanks for listening. Support the podcast. Tell your friends. Patreon. So anyhow, it's uh, – and I know how important a farm system is and how important prospects are, and you want that for a lot of reasons so you could trade them and, and cost control. And every team that's won a World Series has had a nice core of talent that came up together. The Braves just did it with Freeman and Acuna. Well, he was hurt. Uh, but Albies, uh, Swanson, those were all guys who came up through Atlanta's system they were braves and then they made trades and then signed a couple people around them yeah I, I agree with that but you could also bridge the gap with free agency while you wait for the young players to come up teams like the red sox do this the yankees and all oh, the yankees have won a world Series since 2009 i'm like yeah but they're like in it almost every year give me that i will gladly take that as a fan base and uh yeah but there's a way to do it the cubs have some young players who aren't too far away you could sign some people so when those young players come up those free agents you signed are still, you know, serviceable or even high end players. If you sign a guy like Nick Castellanos, who's probably going to DH mostly for you to a six year deal, he's 20. This will be his age 29 season. I don't think it's his age 30 coming up. I think it'll be his age 29. I'm pretty sure. Maybe it'll be his age 30, but either way, he should be good for another three or four years. And then people are like, yeah, but then at the end, he won't be as good. Well, then he, then you signed someone else. The fuck this idea of tanking and purposely being bad. Professional sports need to stop that shit. There should be penalties for it. It's getting to the point now where I almost feel like the team who wins the championship, they should draft first. Like, like I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I really like that idea, but there needs to be something. I, I just don't know. As a fan, you could be like, Oh, more prospects. There's just more chances. And I realize a lot of the people with the exception of this guy, Brian Smith, who's a great follow on Twitter. And I understand sometimes I'm like, man, I should dedicate myself to prospects because you always have something to look forward to. Cause when your major league team sucks, you're like, I still have this, but he talked to some guys saw this one dude and I'm like, all right, he probably lives in the middle of nowhere. And, the, and he gets to watch a lot of minor league baseball. Cause I, I, I'm like, this guy's a Cubs fan, but I don't think he gives a shit about the major league team. Cause this whole thing is prospect. He was trying to say the one trade the Cubs made was bad because they gave up a couple prospects and they didn't win. I'm like the guy they, when they traded Nick Castellanos, I'm talking about Alex Lang and some other dude, I can't remember his name now. I'm blanking on it. They haven't done shit yet. That trade was in 2019 and again, it's only 2021. Maybe they'll be good down the road. But either way, Castellanos was fantastic for the Cubs. It wasn't his fault they didn't make the playoffs that year. He did all he could. Therefore, that's a good trade. You want your front office. You want your team to go for it. All these people, they are fan- that's why they're, they're all they're, these stat nerds. They're all Tampa Bay Ray fans. Well, look at the Rays. By the way, the Rays have stretches where they suck for a while to rebuild. Yeah, but I, I don't get it. Well, you want to watch a fucking team that never tries? It's fucking boring, man. Go have missionary sex and fucking play checkers because you're just dull. You're fucking dull. That's that's some white bread shit right there. Anyway, don't be dull, everybody. Listen to the Joe Kilgown podcast and have yourselves a wonderful weekend. You guys are the best. And as always, cheers to you and yours. Actually, I just said cheers. Why did I add to the you and yours part? Cheers.